I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Ho, 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 everybody. And welcome to the Christmas episode of Boy Meets World and the Feeney podcast. Your host today, as always, me, Josh, and my friend, Jacqueline. Hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas. It is May here, but it's Christmas time. In Philadelphia, in the Boy Meets World set, we got our first Christmas episode, and it's very obvious, based even just on the title of the episode and the opening decorations and what they're reading, they really, everything in this episode is related to Christmas. Yes, the Christmas spirit is alive and well at John Adams' middle and the Matthews' home. I love Christmas episodes of shows, so I'm very excited about this. Yeah, this one is very blatantly Christmas. The schools that they go to, I think, change and get a little confusing, but they mention actually they're currently in Jefferson Elementary Um. right now. So what I think what happens here is we've got a elementary school that goes up to sixth grade. So I think they're at the the like top end of their school right now. And then next year they go to like a junior high seventh and eighth grade or seventh, eighth, ninth, and then high school is 10, 11, 12. We'll have to see. And I know they like skip some grades based on what I've read. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But right now they're at Jefferson Elementary. Interesting. I'm just going to refer to it as John Adams because yeah, that's what we all know it as. <laughs> that, they're at school. It's it's fine. And I have no, no notes from any of the previous episodes. So uh, anything any of the fans have been saying worthwhile on the, on the Insta? No, uh, no contributions to share. But in honor of our 10th episode, I have put together a little treat for us at the end of today's episode. So uh, just to to tease that for everyone. Excellent. So if you are bored enough in your life to make it to the very end of this episode of the podcast, then a little surprise from Jacqueline. What more motivation could you want? Mm -hmm. Special treat. All right. So let's dive into this episode Jacqueline, some summary and background information, if you will. I will. The episode is called Santa's Little Helper. It is season one, episode 10, aired December 10th, 1993. And it was directed by David Trainer, who we mentioned last time is the guy from That 70s Show and directs a lot of season one and two of Boy Meets World. TV Guide says, Corey discovers that the spirit of giving is more important than presents. And Jacqueline says, when Sean's dad is laid off just before Christmas, Corey acts like a doofus, which leads to a fight. But Mr. Feeney helps him see the error of his ways just in time for Christmas. Morgan is traumatized when Santa keels over at the mall. Yeah, that's great. So a few things to add here. One is that this one... I think the Morgan side plot is hilarious and has a lot of laughs. So I'm excited to actually for once 
talk about the Morgan Amy side plot. And two, I got so excited thinking about Christmas in the 90s and like my childhood that I started Googling a bunch of stuff. And I found the actual TGIF holiday intro on YouTube. And it was like TGIF holiday. And I clicked it and it was actually from 1993 and it, the intro to this lineup. And it was cracking me up. Do you remember the TGIF theme song? I don't think so. And I, you sent me the clip and I was watching it and I saw all of like the clips spliced together from Family Matters and Step by Step and all of the shows that were on at the time. But mm -hmm. the like screens that they show up and flash with the TGIF letters, I don't remember any of that. And that took me, that is straight up 90s. Yeah, it's so 90s. And I didn't remember it. Like if someone had come to me five days ago and said like, sing the TGIF theme song, I could not have done it. But as soon as I heard it, I knew it. So that was really funny. And yeah, and the way they used to do TGIF is they would have, or at least they did it for a few years, they would have stars from the various shows record like intros on set and they'd be like, welcome to TGIF. And sometimes they would be in character. Sometimes they would be like the actor. And for this particular one, it was Corey and Morgan. And Corey's like, I'm Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World. Welcome to the Christmas edition of TGIF. And Morgan opens a present and it's an Urkel doll. It's like this two foot tall Steve Urkel. That was really cute. And then they showed all the Christmas episodes of all the different shows. But I, it really brought me back. Yeah, that was a really good find. Uh, YouTube's got basically everything. So the episode is called Santa's Little Helper, which I think is a pretty common phrase, obviously referencing elves. Do you know which famous sitcom dog is known as Santa's Little Helper? I do, and it's The Simpsons, even though I never really watched The Simpsons and I don't know why he was called that. I do know that factoid i don't know why either i i was trying to remember the episode that they get him and he's not he's not in a lot of episodes but uh yes yeah, in a little helper from the simpsons uh, which had already been airing so I'm, i bet he was a character on the show by the time this boy meets world one aired hmm, interesting cool so yeah we've got ourselves a big christmas episode and uh my summary i think for this episode just really quickly would be everyone in the show despite being in the christmas spirit acts kind of like a dick except at the very end. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Everyone has moments here that I am just cringing and wondering why they are doing what they're doing. But we'll get started and we'll dive into that. We start in the classroom and Mr. Feeney is reading the end of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens out loud in class. Did you notice that he was reading from the front of the book, even though he was reading the very last sentences of A Christmas Carol? I did not notice that. Good catch. Yeah. Well, Arthur was sitting there like, you believe this? I was like, okay. He's <laughs> like, get over it. But yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, yeah. Feeney's reading and Corey and Sean are carrying on in the back of the class. I mean, so Corey rude. is so rude. He's fully turned around in his desk and he's making faces and they're like carrying on having a conversation. I don't know how they're not completely annoying everyone around them. Yeah, they ask about the Grinch when the book ends. I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke or if they were like really seriously asking because they didn't know, but 
feel like the sixth graders, especially them, would know that the Grinch is a separate story, right? No, I think they were being obtuse. I don't know. But Christmas Carol is actually a book that we did read in sixth grade. Really? Yeah. Do you have a favorite variation? Obviously, Christmas Carol has been done in many different forms. I'm, I think I have an, a guess at to which one is your favorite, but I'm wondering if you know clearly which, which version of this story is your favorite. Obviously, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, is that's what I knew was coming. Incomparable. So good. Tis the season to be jolly and joyous. Fa-la-la, with the burst of pleasure, we feel it right. Muppet Christmas is really good. Scrooged is also one of the better adaptations. Yeah. Scrooged is a close second. Sometimes the truth is painful, Frank, uh-huh. but it's made your cheeks all rosy and your eyes bright as stars. If you touch me again, I'm going to rip your goddamn wings off, okay? Oh, you know I like the rough stuff, don't you, Frank? Um, Mr. Feeney rocking a bright red Christmas sweater vest in this one. Yes, the holiday spirit just flowing through his little sweater. So that looks really good. And basically, they are acting like class clowns, Corey and Sean are. And that's how this episode starts with us just kind of acknowledging that it's Christmas. Corey's also completely missing the point of A Christmas Carol. I mean, Feeney's asking him questions about it, and he's totally like blowing it off. And Feeney is done with his shenanigans and asks Topanga to switch seats with him, which I only mention because Topanga gets in a pretty sick burn here. Feeney says, switch place with Mr. Matthews. And she says, I'm a hyperactive, underachieving 11-year-old boy. And she's like meditating, like she's trying to like mentally switch places with him. And Feeney's like, no, just trade desks. Yeah. But she really, it was a sick burn. She cuts to the core of Corey in that short <laughs> yeah. little sentence there. Yes. So we don't get a lot of Topanga, but that that's her best line here. And then we jump to the cafeteria and... Everyone's eating lunch. It's it's at the end of the school year before they go on winter break. So kids are pretty checked out at that point anyway. Do you remember just like the anticipation of really like that whole month? Because there's all these special activities at school and there's like performances. And I don't know how kids pay attention at all during the month of December. There's just so much like special stuff going on. Let me tell you, as much as... Students look forward to winter break and spring break and snow days. Teachers look forward to it 10 times as much. Maybe not Mr. Feeney, but when I was teaching, that winter break was a godsend. And (laughs) yes, that last week, you are literally just doing anything you can to get to the end of the day. Corey's got some fish sticks and got a bunch of background information on fish sticks here, which is all kind of boring. But basically, they kind of originated in 1953 after World War II. I don't remember ever getting fish sticks with school lunch. Also, I feel like school lunches, have we already talked about this? I used to really like school lunch in elementary school and middle school. So they're being kind of hard on school lunches. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, fish sticks is a a rough one. That's probably not the best meal you can get. But Sean brings his own PB&J and that becomes a focal point because he's not used to bringing his own lunch. And so that kind of strikes up a conversation. But before they can really dive into it too much, Minka shows up. And again, like 
We've got Corey and Sean in the first scene being rude to Mr. Feeney and talking through his class. Now we've got Corey and Sean here being super rude to Minkus, and he takes offense to it, and then he's kind of super rude back to them, and then Sean and Corey are rude to Topanga. So no one's really in the Christmas spirit in this scene. Yeah, they're not being very nice. It's definitely not how you would want your kid to interact with other kids, but essentially Minkus is bugging Sean because Sean hasn't paid him $5 to contribute towards the class gift. Conveniently, we have just learned that Corey has saved up $5. Foreshadowing. Yeah, to buy a genuine imitation nylon basketball net to go with the basketball that he believes his parents have bought him for Christmas. Yes. So some research on this. An official ball from Spalding, which is the current ball that is used. First of all, they're sold out on Spalding's website and on Dick's website. There are none in stock. So I don't know if there's been like a basketball jump due to the coronavirus, but you can't buy them anywhere right now. These NBA basketballs go for about $170. Are you joking? No, like the official regulation balls in any sport are super expensive. I mean, baseballs, they're like $12 instead of like $1.99. But still, like this basketball is super expensive and about it would have probably cost about $75 in 1993. Oh, my God, because Corey was going on and on about this amazing Christmas present. And I was like, it's a basketball. What is that, like 20 bucks? Like, I didn't think it was an amazing present, but. Wow, that's a lot more money than I thought it was. It's the same thing with jerseys, right? Like you can go out and buy a jersey for like 40 or $50. But if you get like the official ones with the stitching, they're so much more expensive. It's it's kind of like that. I know. But like when you get one of the nice jerseys, you do. You have like all the stitching and they look really nice and they're higher quality fabric. What is the difference for kids who are playing basketball in a driveway or at a park? Why do they need this super expensive ball? just because they think it's cool. Yeah, exactly. And like, if you have a ball like that, like those balls are designed to be probably indoor balls only because all basketball games in the NBA are obviously inside. And so the balls that they make for outside use have different, you know, they're not leather because the leather is going to rip and get terrible when you're bouncing it on the gravel. So it's not even a good purchase if he's going to be dribbling it outside. Wow. Well, we've spent enough time on that. Yeah, yeah. We'll move on from that. Like you said, Minkus asked for the money. Uh, for the class present and Sean can't pitch in and kind of runs out of the cafeteria before giving an explanation here. And so we kind of leave it at that at school. Well, he does give an explanation. He says, well, I'll get you the money. I just spent the last of my cash on my lunch. And Corey being so obtuse doesn't realize that like Sean packed his lunch. So like Corey doesn't, even though there these red flags are popping up, Corey is not taking the hint that like, Something is up with Sean. Exactly. And he's just like, huh, that's weird. And then completely forgets about it and moves on. The next scene, they're in the living room and Corey does learn from his dad that Sean's dad has been laid off and that there's probably not going to be that many presents because Corey wants to brag about all the new presents he's found underneath the tree. But Alan kind of tells him to slow his roll and finally admits Sean's dad lost his job and probably will not be getting that many presents. Josh, did you have a Christmas tree at your Jewish household? Good question. No, we never had a Christmas tree. We did get presents on Christmas for a few years, though. So we would do Hanukkah. And then on Christmas, 
we would open like any presents from like friends or friends of family and stuff like that. And then my parents always put a few presents from Santa just kind of by our fireplace because uh, they didn't want us feeling left out. But the presents weren't all sitting out, even like your Hanukkah presents, they weren't sitting out leading up to Hanukkah where you could like go up and look at them and shake them and stuff, right? No, they were like hidden somewhere. And then when Hanukkah came, they would just bring out those presents and, and set those out. But I mean, you can answer the same question, but I don't think that's uncommon. I feel like I know people who like, as soon as presents are bought and wrapped, they go underneath the tree. Well, Arthur and I do that now, but that's because we're adults and they look nice under the tree. Like it looks beautiful, but when you have little kids, you cannot be putting those under the tree. I got you because they get there. They get there before Santa gets there. It's a red flag. Well, forget Santa because who cares? But obviously, Morgan still believes in Santa because the whole her whole side plot revolves around Santa. But like, you see how Corey's acting? He's manhandling those gifts. He's throwing them around. He's acting really rude about it, and he's like shaking them and analyzing them. Like, where is the surprise? You got to hide those gifts until Christmas morning. That's a that's a good point. Didn't consider that. So, yeah, in this same scene where they're in the living room and Corey and Alan are talking about Sean's dad and, and the presents, Morgan and Amy come home from visiting Santa at the mall. So my question for you was, did you go and regularly sit on Santa's lap and wait in those ridiculous lines at the mall? No, we were not Santa people. Whoa, interesting. Yeah, we didn't we didn't really do the whole Santa thing. Like, I don't know if like my brother ruined it for me when I was young or what, but we didn't really do Santa and we like we knew that Santa wasn't real, but we still would have fun with it. There was one year where like I didn't put out cookies, but my dad put out a cookie and like took a bite of it after I went to bed and then he was like Josh and me like, oh, good, funny joke with the cookie, Jacqueline. I was like, I didn't put out the cookies. And he's like, well, I didn't put out the cookies. You know, so it was like, it was fun and silly, but no, we we didn't do the pictures with Santa. We, we just are not Santa people. Interesting. I definitely sat on Santa's lap a couple of times as a little kid, just because again, like my mom didn't want us to feel left out, but Morgan goes and she has a very traumatic experience at the mall because as it turns out, Santa has apparently had a heart attack as soon as Morgan sits up on his lap. These scenes with everyone like talking about Morgan's trauma are really funny because they felt very realistic to me. Like Amy is telling the story of Santa keeling over and they're just kind of like laughing, not in front of Morgan, but they're all like trying not to laugh. And she's like, it's not funny. She thinks she killed Santa, but like she's laughing because the whole thing is just absurd. And Morgan, at the mention of Santa, like goes and runs and locks herself in the bathroom because she thinks she killed Santa Claus. I had a different interpretation here. I don't find this funny at all. Really? The man had a legitimate heart attack sitting at the mall and everyone is just laughing at his pain. Like, (laughs) yes, you know, Amy says he's okay, but that's not funny. The guy's about to die. Okay. You're just, <laughs> I take I take your point, but she says he's fine, and you don't know that it was even a heart attack. Maybe he was overheated, and he had really bad indigestion, and he just, like, passed out. Well, whatever it was, the elf apparently performed CPR, which is used <laughs> in only the most extreme situations, yeah, and right. probably shouldn't have been used in this situation, because you're only supposed to do CPR if there's no pulse and he's not breathing, and I'm pretty sure a heart attack doesn't make those two things happen, so... Whatever's happening here, it's either very serious enough that he needed to do CPR 
where the writers just missed that one. I don't think laughing at a man's heart attack is funny. Josh is on the record. He does not think medical emergencies are funny. (laughs) So anyway, Morgan's locked herself in the bathroom. They finally get her to come out. And then the doorbell rings and it's the elf from the mall there to refund her money because how would they he found her i have no idea but she's like hey you you paid for the picture with santa you didn't get one so here's your money i had the same note how did the elf know where she lived and is it in the elf's job description to return unused money to people i mean that's a it's a very nice gesture from the store and and everyone to go seek out people to return their money but a little creepy as well uh, that elf is making minimum wage, and there is no way that he would take that $8 or whatever and drive it over no. to someone's house to Exactly. It. He pocketed the money and told somebody he dropped the money back off. Yeah. Give me a break. But at any rate, they're doing this whole thing like the elf was a mobster guy, and he's got this accent, and, you know, I didn't think it added very much. No, but it certainly scares the Dickens out of uh, Morgan, and she goes running away. The Dickens? Josh. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. So yeah, she sees the elf and she gets scared all over again just when they've gotten her out of the bathroom. So she's a mess again. Yep. And we jump back to the Corey storyline. Sean comes over and they're hanging out in the backyard. And Corey, you know, Corey had asked his dad if he can give Sean one of his presents. And his dad said, that's a really nice idea that you should definitely do that. Somehow, Corey decides to pick the nicest, best present of his, the one he's most excited for, and share it with Sean, which is a really, really nice gesture. But turns out this starts a really big fight because Sean doesn't want his charity, and Corey's really only doing it to get the the recognition for being a good friend. Yeah, I mean, Sean did not react well, but Corey also really botched this whole situation. He, like makes a whole to-do over giving Sean the gift and then he makes him open it right then and there and he's like, isn't this gift amazing? And Sean's like, why are you even giving this to me? Like, then he gets embarrassed that his dad's out of work and he sort of lashes out and Corey uses the line, I'm trying to stop you from having a tiny Tim Christmas, which is oof. That was Probably rough. shouldn't have said that. No, shouldn't have said that. Meanwhile, they're having this argument and Mr. Feeney is in the background overhearing everything on his side of the fence. So we know that there's a Feeney lesson coming right around the bend here. Yeah, exactly. And Feeney in his now blue sweater vest, he jumps in and, and kind of says a true gift is given without expectation. Yeah. And Sean running away from Corey as Corey chased him screaming, you should be thanking me was very rough to watch. Yeah. Um, but as Feeney points out, he gave the gift to get the thanks, which is not not the Christmas spirit. Not in the Christmas spirit. Exactly right. This is the first time, but it's not the last time that Sean's family financial situation will play a big part in their friendship. But it's the first time that we kind of get that glimpse into their, their lives. Yes, this is definitely the beginning of those. They're, you know, they're kind of setting up Sean's character. This is also one of the first episodes where it's really established that like Corey and Sean are best friends. Like obviously we know because we've seen them together, but like there was a third guy there every now and then. And now it's like they're best friends. Like their parents know each other. They talk about like 
well, you didn't give me a gift last year and we were best friends last year. So I, even though there was like a lot of awkwardness and tension, it also kind of is like the beginning of them really fleshing out this bond between the two of them, which I liked. Yeah, good point. There's no yeah, yeah, or squints or the little kid with the shirt that we couldn't read. None of those people make any appearances in this episode. It's really just Sean and Corey. So in the cafeteria, Sean's sitting alone now because he's mad at Corey and Minkus comes up and bothers him about the card again. And now it's Minkus's turn to be a little bit rude and oblivious to, to what's happening because yes. he tells Sean, if you don't give me your money, you're not going to get your name on the card and you're really going to be missing out and you're such a deadbeat. And, you know, for a smart kid, he's really missing the, the mark here. Yeah, Minkus is being so incredibly obtuse about this whole thing. Like, clearly something is up. Sean is avoiding giving you the money. I just feel like Minka should have gone to a teacher and been like, there's one student that won't give me the money. What should I do? And I'm sure the teacher would have been like, well, you know, I, I think it's okay. Like everyone else paid. We can make an exception. But Minkus is being so rude. Like he's like, if you don't give me this money for this gift, everyone will know you're a deadbeat. And he's harassing him. It's crazy. Yeah. Corey jumps in here. After Sean leaves. Yeah, so Sean storms off again, and then Corey kind of comes over and tells Minkus, listen, Sean owes me some money. I forgot to pay him back. Let me just give you the money, and then that way we can be even, and, and you can put Sean's name on the card alongside everyone else. Yeah, so he pulls out that $5 that he's been saving for his imitation nylon basketball net, and he gives it to Minkus and says, it's my fault that Sean didn't pay you because he lent me the money. So here's the five bucks. And very conveniently, he happened to have that $5 ready to go. Yeah. Even still, Minkus is being kind of a brat about, oh, well, he paid last, so his name has to be last on the card. Like, anyone cares when your name is signed on the card. Ugh. Yeah. Like, shut. I mean, I really laid this on pretty thick last episode, but like, Minkus, shut up. Get out of my face. Ugh. So after lunch, they're back in the classroom and... They reference a David Copperfield special, which works on a lot of different levels here. I don't know if you knew this or not, but obviously David Copperfield is a book by Charles Dickens. And there's some ambiguity here because David Copperfield, the magician, had a special Fires of Passion that was airing right around the same time. But they also came out with an animated version of the story of David Copperfield starring Howie Mandel. And that came out around Christmas 1993. Wow. So that must be what they were talking about. Yeah, just good Dickens tie-in there. Did you notice what Corey was wearing in the last scene? He had a humongous dinosaur t-shirt over a sweatshirt. I didn't notice that. I, I saw some of the like hoodies and, and button-downs and stuff that everyone was wearing, but I, I didn't notice that one. Yeah, t-shirt over a hoodie. It was a bold fashion choice. That's the Josh Shaw go-to flag football look when it's cool in the fall and you got to... Yep. Have your t-shirt on the outside, but the sweatshirt underneath. So Minkus presents the class gift. It's an American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language. How much could a dictionary possibly cost? Well, that was my initial idea. I figured, you know, there are what, maybe 15 kids in the class and each kid's donating $5 and it's maybe a dollar for the bag and a couple of dollars for the card. So you're looking at a surplus of like 70 bucks for this dictionary. I freeze framed it to find the exact type. I Googled it. The newest edition is currently being sold as new for $81. So it's about right, actually. Wow. Because it's like leather bound or whatever. 
I think it's, yeah, like really nice and it's got a good case and it's probably a nice thick dictionary. I would have thought cheaper than that for sure, which is why I started looking up the math for this, but turns out that's probably about right. Wow. Well, what a waste of money. Like Mr. Feeney doesn't already have a dictionary. (laughs) $5 is a lot to ask everyone to chip in for that. Yeah, especially coming directly from the kids. Like this story doesn't make sense without that part, but realistically- Somebody's mom is sending a note home with everybody else saying, let's chip in for this present and blah, blah, blah. Right. But he gets the dictionary and he reads the card and he says, oh, and this card is signed from Minkus all the way down to Hunter. And Sean realizes that somehow his name ended up on the card and he's befuddled. Exactly. So as soon as the bell rings, everyone bolts out the door Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but at 1734, as everyone is exiting the classroom, there is a very obvious boom microphone in the top left corner. I did. I did notice that. Yeah. Happens occasionally, especially for the scenes like this when everyone's running out of the classroom and they need all that noise. But Sean kind of pulls Minkus aside at the end and thanks Minkus for putting his name on the card. And Minkus spills the beans about Corey actually giving him the money and, and being the deadbeat, not Sean. Yeah, he's like, whoa, don't thank me. It was all Corey. Like, he told me about how he owed you that five bucks. And Sean is so touched, just so imbued with Christmas cheer that he actually wishes Minkus a Merry Christmas. Yeah, everyone is being a huge dick. The Matthews are laughing at (laughs) at very serious medical procedures. The kids are all being mean to each other. They're getting into fights. And this is the first redeeming moment when Sean says Merry Christmas and it's a very sincere moment. So now Sean realizes that Corey helped him save face and he goes over to Corey's house to make a peace offering. And it is a dusty, dirty old basketball net that he says he found in his dad's garage since Corey no longer has that $5 to buy his own net. And of course they make up. Yeah, this is pretty convenient that he had an extra net laying around and everyone got what they wanted. But yes, it's a good moment. They make up and they become friends again. So all is well that ends well for Corey and Sean. And then uh, back in the Matthews living room where everything is cozy and Christmassy, suddenly there's a piano there, which I've never noticed before. And they're sitting around playing Christmas carols and trimming the tree and... Corey and Sean come in and he says he's going to go home to uh, spend time with his dad. So off he goes. And then there's a knock at the door. Ho, ho, ho. Who could it be? Old Mr. Feeney dressed up as St. Nick, not even wearing his beard properly. It's just kind (laughs) of hanging off his chin, not covering his face at all. But, you know, Morgan, at least we think Morgan is buying that it's real Santa for a while uh, until she kind of mentions, oh, that Santa kind of really looks like Mr. Feeney. I thought, I mean, it was obvious that Feeney was doing this begrudgingly. They clearly gave him a script that he was supposed to say, and he's sort of rolling his eyes through it. But I I think he actually does a pretty good job as Santa, all in all. Yeah, he's a good Santa. He plays the part well. You know, even even reluctantly, Feeney is always going to do his best to help the kids so yeah that works out well and we're back at the piano for our post credit scene and morgan is singing the classic 
Jingle Bells riff. Jingle Bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Do you know where that's from? So for a long time, I just thought it was like from the collective unconscious, like all those weird things that you learn as a kid and it's like another kid teaches it to you and then you're like, where did that even originate? But uh, it occurred to me maybe like a couple of years ago, I had this aha moment where I remembered where that actually is from. And it is from Batman the Animated Series, Christmas with the Joker. Never heard of it. You didn't watch Batman the Animated Series? I don't remember it. Oh, man. So good. I used to love it. But the Christmas with the Joker episode aired uh, November 1992. So a year before this episode was released. Um, so it was that was a pretty fresh episode. But yeah, that's where Jingle Bell's Batman Smells comes from. That's good. I did not realize that it had an actual origin. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. That pretty much does it for the Christmas episode of the first season of Boy Meets World. We've covered all of it. Everyone seems to be in good spirits as they head into the holidays. And hopefully we bounce back after the holidays for some more fun winter episodes. I like on this episode how Corey didn't really have to learn the lesson it was very bluntly just Feeney just told him what the lesson was halfway through the episode. Corey had to do an attitude adjustment, you know. Corey is not great at remembering the lessons that he's learned either because, again, talking in class, being a class clown, it just seems like it takes a little bit for these lessons to really mm -hmm, stick. Mm -hmm. So, Josh, for our 10th episode. Oh, special 10th episode list. Yeah, it hit me. I thought about doing a few different things. I was like, I could do top 10 Minkus insults or top 10 sweatshirts under button-up shirts under mm -hmm. t-shirts. Mm -hmm. uh, but I decided to just to celebrate the fact that the show even made it to 10 episodes, because many shows don't, that I would just rank our first 10 episodes in order of worst to best and just sort of do a little uh, walk down memory lane here to celebrate us getting into our double digits. Excellent. All right. That's, um, let me pull up the episode list here. Hit me. We're counting backwards. Backwards. Number 10, Killer B. Corey studies for the geography B. Eric spends the whole episode pouting about that Aerosmith concert. Sure. The pros in this episode, uh, Minkus's House of Style outfit. That's really funny. But the cons are that Eric is an annoying baby the whole time, and there's really no, like, friend time in the episode. It's all just, like, Corey studying and with Feeny. Okay. Yep. I agree. Number nine, Father Knows Less. This is where Dad wakes him up in the middle of the night to watch the no-hitter, and then Corey sleeps through a test. Mm -hmm. So pros of this one, plenty of baseball factoids. We really enjoyed that. But the cons are too many bologna sandwiches. And we had to sit through Alan's assistant manager, Lenny, who was not funny. Sure. Next, we got Boys to Mensa, uh, where Corey cheats on the intelligent test. Right. Uh, pros, I got to talk about Boys to Men, and there was funny Halloween decor everywhere. Cons, meh. The episode was just sort of meh, you know? It just wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. Yeah. The only reason we got to talk about Boys to Men was because of the name of the episode. It's not even that they mentioned the band's name in the actual episode right and Corey just kept digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper it was just sort of frustrating to watch yeah number seven class pre-union which was last week's episode Corey pouts the whole time about his dreams of being a philly center fielder are crushed 
Pros, we get a visit from Jim Abbott. Cons, Corey sulks the whole time. And there's really not enough Eric or Sean in that episode to entertain mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, Santa's little helper. Don't need to do a recap of that one since it was today's episode, but it got a lot of brownie points just because it was the Christmas episode. And generally, I did chuckle throughout. But cons, too much Minkus. I just, I thought he was such a little brat in this episode and I didn't like it. And making fun of heart attacks is not cool. Well, I didn't know that you had such a strong stance on that before I wrote this list. So <laughs> uh, we can we can add that in as well. <laughs> Number five, teacher's bet. Corey and Feeney swap places and Corey becomes the teacher. Pros, Feeney wears a meatloaf sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. And they handle some pretty heavy subject matter, I think, pretty gracefully for a kid's show, you know. Yeah, you get a really good Corey acting scene at the end Mm -hmm. about the lesson he learned. That's really going to stand out, I think. Yeah. But on the con side, I felt that Linda... Eric's Japanese-American girlfriend was really sort of used as a token and didn't really get much respect, and then her character just never came back again. So that sort of detracted from the message overall. Yep. Number four, Grandma was a rolling stone. This is where Grandma blows off Corey's trip to Baltimore, and Eric dates a Feeney. Pros, we get the great guest stars. We got Rue McClanahan and Carrie Russell, and Eric was just extra dreamy in this episode. Also, Cal Ripken. Lots of Cal Ripken. That was a good episode. A lot of pros in this one. As a side note, Jamie, I think because of you, has started to watch some of the Golden Girls, which is on Hulu. And I, for whatever reason, this happens to me with a couple of shows, but for whatever reason, I just never... The Golden Girls would be on, and I didn't start it from the beginning, and I just always thought it was dumb. I just, like, for whatever reason, never liked that show. But I also never gave it a fair shot. And I've watched a few full episodes from the first season. And I've been laughing a lot more than I thought I was going to. It's very funny. It's very clever. And they actually, for like the 80s and early 90s, they actually were kind of groundbreaking in some of the subject matter that they covered. There's obviously some jokes that don't age well. But generally, when I watch it, I'm like, wow, they actually were like openly talking about some things that maybe were a little bit taboo for the time. So I... Love the Golden Girls. Love it. Yeah. And and not even just taboo for the time, but like probably you didn't get a lot of people that age talking about their issues. Like you get a lot of shows about kids talking about their issues or teens talking about their issues. But to have these women talking about like having sex for the first time after their husbands had died or left or whatever it is, is not a very common topic in a lot of TV shows. And they did a nice job broaching those issues. Also on The OC, which you and I both love, Summer Roberts and Anna both really like the Golden Girls and there's a scene where they're bonding over how they both like it and they're like what is it about women in their 60s that I just connect with and I just feel the same way I don't know why I have loved those women since I was a little girl but something about them just really speaks to me yeah no that's fair so anyway those are the pros of Grandma Was a Rolling Stone. The cons would be Corey's storyline is a little bit boring. He kind of just spends the whole episode moping around the house. And also they wasted a lot of muffins. A lot of muffins got went to waste there. Number three, the pilot. Eric takes a date to the Phillies game instead of Corey. Our pros are lots of great fashion. Obviously, it's the first episode, so we're meeting everyone. Uh, lots of good baseball, too. Cons, not enough kid shenanigans. It was a little parent-heavy, that episode. And number two, On the Fence. That was the Water Wars. 
super soaker nostalgia for days. I mean, that was just bringing me back to my childhood and the super soakers and like playing outside with friends. So that one had a lot of good feelings that bubbled up. Mm -hmm. Cons, Josh and Arthur really both wanted to buy Eric's video baseball watch, but can't figure out where they sell that thing. Can't figure out where it is. (laughs) That was only con. So we can't figure it out. <laughs> and then that leaves us with number one, our favorite or my favorite episode of the past 10 episodes, which is Corey's Alternative Friends. This is our intro to Topanga, hilarity all around, Corey with his funny hairdo, tons of 90s child actor, guest stars, excellent fashion, and it was easily the pick for number one. Very good. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Definitely these episodes that focus on the kids more. We mentioned this during that episode, but when you're focusing on them uh, and they're doing a fun job, that's where the show really shines. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I won't do this every 10 episodes, but you know, when I said earlier that I was looking at those TGIF intros, I started to like look into some shows that were brought on TGIF, like new shows that would just flop after five or six episodes. And it just made me think like, you know, this show really like it, it started off pretty strong and it obviously retained its watchability. So I thought it was nice to just sort of like recap that. Awesome. No, thank you for doing all that work. That's a really great recap of what we've done so far. This first season's got 20 plus episodes in it. So we're coming up on the halfway mark, but hit double digits is a big feat. So I thank you for all of your hard work up to this point. Of course. Same to you. And for everyone else, Be sure to follow us. We've got lots of social media posts, funny pictures and videos and all sorts of things. At Feeny Podcast is where you can find us on Instagram, Feeny Podcast on Facebook. And you can always send us a voicemail. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if we missed anything. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, guys. 